All right. So again, we're returning to our three-week series on First John. And so last week, we took a look at this theme, a line running through First John of love. And today, we're picking up a little variation on that theme. We're looking at forgiveness, and we'll have a certain uh, tour guide by the name of Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So remember what we were talking about last week. We've got this book, 1 John, uh, not really a letter, more of a sermon. Uh, So it's not written by the John we know and love from the Gospels. It's rather written by a community, a school of thought, if you will, uh, who saw John as their exemplar. And so remember, these folks are writing somewhere maybe 80 to 100 years after Jesus. And so that means that we have a new situation with new problems popping up that weren't even on the radar back in Jesus and Paul's day. Now, if you read 1 John, one of the things you'll notice very quickly, well, okay, let me speak for myself. One of the things I noticed very quickly is it is a slog to get through. When I read it a couple times, I did not particularly enjoy it. Uh, because, Because here's the thing, the content's fine. The content's got some good stuff in there. But, uh, maybe this is a way to explain it. Do you guys know that one guy, right, that one guy who learns guitar, and then every time you see them, they're playing, like, Stairway to Heaven, right? And every single time you see them, they're playing that one song over and over and over again. And they've got, like, maybe three songs in their repertoire. So even though they're fine at the song, it's just over and over, and so it's just like, oh my gosh, why do I have to be with this person again? That's kind of what reading First John's like. Um, because, right, so he's got some good stuff in there. He's, uh, he's got these themes that he weaves through the whole, the whole letter of, of lightness and darkness and good and evil and children of God and children of Satan. He's got all these themes, and, and we'll talk more about them next week when we talk about how stark they are, these images. But we have these themes coming back again and again and again. There is verbatim repetition at some points. You read in the first chapter, for example, this beautiful passage about about how you should live rightly so that you can stay in the light. Beautiful, beautiful imagery. Absolutely gorgeous. And then you read in the second half of the first chapter this beautiful passage about how you should live rightly so that you can stay in the light. Lovely. And then in the second chapter, you read this beautiful passage. Are you getting a theme here? And it comes back over and over again. You could probably write First John in two chapters instead of five and not be missing like any content. So it's a little bit repetitive. But that was my rant for today. I'm, I'm off my soapbox. Okay. Uh, but the content, but for a sermon series, this works okay, because we can isolate a theme, right? It works. It's great. So as we mentioned, one of these themes that he touches again and again is love. God has shown us love, therefore we must love others. And last week we talked about how in a Protestant tradition, uh, we've, we've really latched onto this idea that you can't earn your way into heaven, right? That it's all about and only about belief and not works. And so 
First John gives us a bit of a corrective there and helps us to say, yes, it's about believing rightly, but what you do, how you act, how you treat others, how you live out those beliefs is of the utmost importance. And one aspect of this that the author of First John dives into is around forgiveness. He says, it's real straightforward. You love your brother or sister, you're in the light. You hate your brother or sister, you're in the darkness. Notice it's cut and dry, completely clear dividing lines. And we'll talk some more about that next week. It's one of the areas the author could have done a little better on. But notice here this effect of having this clear cut, right? This clear cut distinction. It's almost like an equation, right? Do you love your brother or sister? Yes, you're in the light. No, you're in the darkness, right? And so it, it, when the author, obviously when the author is talking about this, right, it's this metaphor that he's bringing back again and again. And one of those he repeats a gazillion times, but it's a beautiful metaphor. Because just think about like those images. Think about how in the light you're able to navigate, you're able to see, you're able to engage more fully with reality, you're able to navigate the world better without problems. And then, whereas in the pitch black, you can't see and you always run into the dresser and then you get hurt. And then you, uh, it's scary and you just can't engage in life as fully, right? And I think this is a fascinating metaphor to reflect on. Because there's so much that ties into this experience of forgiveness. If we cannot or do not forgive our brother or sister when they have wronged us, then we are staying in the darkness. It's such a rich and multifaceted image that it helps us to think about this experience of hatred and forgiveness. Think for a minute of the work and thought of Archbishop Desmond Tutu, an Anglican archbishop from the country of South Africa, lived, grew up, worked during the apartheid era. Uh, He was a black man, and of course the apartheid was an institutionalized form of racism, a particularly virulent one. And as Tutu grew up, he grew up in this context of being dehumanized and debased by the white powers that be in his country. And yet, well, the country lived through this apartheid. Desmond Tutu was fighting for justice. He ended up winning a Nobel Peace Prize for his anti-apartheid activism, his ability to both struggle squarely with justice and still insisting on those Christian values that undergirded his work. And so in 1994... A certain uh, president, Nelson Mandela, of the country of South Africa, appointed Desmond Tutu to lead what was called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And basically, it was this way for a country to collectively wrestle with what had gone on during the apartheid era. Archbishop Tutu was in charge of figuring out how does the country move on from this horror? How do we as a society forgive? 
on both a personal and a societal level. Tutu has done a lot of thinking about forgiveness, and one of the things he notes is that forgiveness is, is what, in fact, breaks a cycle of violence that occurs when, when you fight back, and then you hurt somebody else in fighting back, so then they fight back, and then you get hurt, so on and on, right, into a cycle, and it just never ends. And Tutu reminds us that forgiveness, it just jams a stick in the spokes there. It just stops the cycle short, and it opens up these new possibilities for resolving the problem, for healing, for becoming a more perfect relationship. And so Archbishop Tutu, in his work with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, he sought to create an institutionalized setting where this can happen on a large scale of society. And so you have black South Africans directly confronting their per- the perpetrators. You have, for example, mothers whose sons were murdered directly facing that person who did it. And out of this, out of this hard work, some forgiveness began to blossom. Not always. Not for everybody. It certainly wasn't easy. It's, it's not a romantic story, right, where everything's all magically better in South Africa. I don't know if you know anything about contemporary South Africa. Stuff's not fixed, right? It's not all magically better. But when you think about forgiveness this way, Does that not add more richness to what we read about in 1 John when thinking about if you hate your brother and sister, then you are in the darkness. You're covered over with the fog of hatred, unable to fully be yourself, unable to fully be in the light because of being stuck in that place of hatred. You're not able to fully be a human being fully in relationship with God and with others because of this barrier that persists between you and them. In the darkness in which you are being held down and held back by your hatred and you cannot be free of it, this this darkness that reduces you like to stumbling around in the dark and running into the nightstand, right? Fumbling and grasping to try and not hurt yourself. But with forgiveness, it's more like somebody flipped on the light switch. Now you can walk freely. Now you can see where you're going. Now you have full control. And you have your life back, rather than being saddled with the burden of that hatred toward your brother and sister. Now Archbishop Tutu is very careful, rightly very careful, Because we cannot make this forgiveness too saccharine, too uh, just a romanticized version of forgiveness where, right, you say, I forgive you, and then magically everything's better. Uh, Rather, Tutu is insistent. No, it is not forgive and forget. Forgetting doesn't help anybody. Forgetting doesn't lead to forgiveness. Because as Archbishop Tutu reminds us, forgiveness comes through reconciliation and justice, coming out of the relationship and restoring many of those things that have been fractured. And so that involves fixing the situation so that those things do not become re-fractured. 
Let us not forget that the same Desmond Tutu, the same activist, anti-apartheid worker, passionately worked to dismantle and change the racist system he lived in so that it did not continue to produce victims, so that it did not continue to create circumstances where it was required to forgive. This very same activist, Desmond Tutu, not a different Desmond Tutu, not even a different side of Desmond Tutu, this very same activist also insisted strongly on this act of forgiving as freeing, as liberating oneself and others, stepping out of the darkness and entering into the light, both in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. In your life, who do you need to forgive? What would that look like? that look like? Consider in what way forgiveness blossoms into being in the light rather than the darkness for yourself, for the other, for your relationship with God, for your relationship with the world. May you have the fortitude and spiritual maturity to move in the direction of forgiveness and entering from the darkness into the light. May it be so.